Hello, and welcome to episode 321 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. In this episode, we have an interview with William Outlaw, Keith Browning, and Anderson Carmen, our comics creators and the team on Boys Become Men in a Hurry on Kickstarter now. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Hey guys, we're very excited to, to have you on. Let's uh, let's do uh, a brief uh, intro with a with a bio, and I'm going to ask William for for the elevator pitch for for the book. Uh, so, William, can you give us that uh, quick bio and the elevator pitch for this book? Absolutely, and thanks so much for having us on. I'm glad y'all were able to fit us in on the holiday here. Really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, my name is William Outlaw. I'm an English teacher in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, when I'm not teaching or grading, then occasionally I can write some comics. So uh, last year I put out just a short little collection um, of four short stories that I titled Tales from the Gutter. I self-funded it, just wanted to kind of prove what I could do, prove it to myself um, that I could put something out there and create my own stuff. Um, and yeah, I went to a con last year, my first time, and that kind of moved me into thinking what else I could do. So Boys Become Men in a Hurry is uh, inspired by a true story of my grandfather, who I never met. Um, I'm actually his namesake. His name was William Newton Outlaw. And um, yeah, he, he's always had this story or, you know, passed down through my father and uh, his siblings that um, we heard all the time of his time during World War II uh, as a tail gunner in the Pacific. And um, it's kind of like a family legend at this point. Um, so I thought it would be really neat if I was able to, you know, put that in the medium that I prefer um, and kind of tie it into um, another story, including his brother. So um, one of the letters that we have from my grandfather is to his younger brother back home in Hartsville, South Carolina, just kind of encouraging him about um, playing baseball and just doing well in school and stuff like that. And I always um, found that really interesting how he sounds very fatherly. Um, so boys become men in a hurry. It's really just about two brothers who are going through very different circumstances, but each having to kind of face their own fears. Very cool. And Keith, uh, yeah. how about you? Um, uh, what's your role on this on this book? Uh, my role is just all the line work, just pencils and inks. <laughs> um, nice. Uh, are you a digital or a traditional artist? I I do both, but with things like this, for now, I'm just sticking with digital because it's faster. I would rather be doing traditional because it looks better, but time. Awesome. And let's go to the, the third uh, member of the team. Anderson, what's, uh, what's your role on this book? I am the colorist on this book. Um, uh, outside of this project, I, uh, I, I write, draw, and color my own comics as well. Um, when I'm not coloring this book, I also color for Jake Parker and Scotty Young. Um, yeah. I've been doing some uh, variant covers for Scotty recently. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of working the hustle, doing this, that, and the other thing. Very oh cool. yeah, I should have said something about myself, right? If you want yeah, to do yeah. that now, now's, now's the time. 
Well, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of background. I've only I'm pretty new to actually getting engaged with the comics community. Um, I think about two and a half years ago, I decided I'm going to like really dig into art more than I had in my life and um, start producing stuff, putting stuff online. About six months after that, I first started getting people asking me if I would be interested in doing pages. And over the past two years, I guess, I've just done a few like short stories. I've written and drawn four issues for um, the Canadian publisher Lev Gleason Comic House. And I don't know when those are going to be coming out, but I did them. Um, and uh, I think there's uh, what's Scott Snyder's writing group had the anthology. Uh, Tales from Tales the Cloakroom. Cloakroom. Yeah. 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 So the next one of those, I have a story in that that I did with a guy I write with. I don't know if that's a. Nobody told me that that was a secret or anything. <laughs> there's that there's another one. So I don't yeah. I don't know if it's I don't know if I'm not supposed to say that or not, but I did. You also won for an anthology, Keith. Don't be so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a <laughs> negative space had a they had a short story competition, and if you won, then your story would be published with a bunch of other curated short stories they'd done over the years. So, and that was supposed to be published earlier this year, but that still hasn't come out. So I've got a lot of things that are done and sitting there and I'm just waiting for them to come out. But a lot of it's outside of my hands. Very oh, cool. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to those. Uh, Noah, do you want to ask uh, one of the, one of the guys, the, the first question? Yeah, I have a serious question, but I have a goofy one first for William. Uh, is your last name a product of medieval times where everyone had to list their occupation, you know, in the, <laughs> as their last name or is that <laughs> we um I'm very curious my my dad is a bit of a history nut so he has traced it back uh at some point all the way back to england i'm not sure exactly when it was but evidently we were indeed kicked out of england and uh oh yeah that's how that's how we got the name so yeah that's pretty neat ass. <laughs> yeah <memorable. laughs> that's awesome okay and then i have a i have a question for um William, it's a three-part question for everybody, I guess. So, uh, William, how did you find Keith and then subsequently Anderson and then <clears throat> Keith and Anderson? How did you guys get involved in this project? I'm just curious how we all came together yeah. to make this book. Yeah. Um, so, I'm trying to think how I first saw Keith's stuff. I think it was actually in the Negative Space anthology. I'd been keeping an eye on the short story competition. So, when that came out, I saw Keith's art there for that uh for that comic. What was it called, Keith? Now showing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now showing. Um, it's about an old guy trying to in the post apocalypse trying to restore a theater projector. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was gorgeous. So I immediately started uh, stalking on Instagram a little bit, and I had realized actually that I had already liked several of his <laughs> Inktober Batman stuff. Um. And as I was digging a little bit more, I actually saw that um, uh, Keith had tagged some of his art in Columbia, South Carolina. So I started thinking, okay, this could be really cool to have two people um, from my area to be working on the same thing, especially since 
part of the story takes place in, in Hartsville, South Carolina as well. Um, so I immediately, you know, was hoping that we could work something out. And, um, thankfully he said yes. And his page rates are amazing. So very happy to have Keith on board. Keith, are you going to raise your page rates now? Yeah. It's like, man, we definitely show up. (laughs) Yeah. I was about to say, yeah, I mean, it doesn't take a lot of math to figure out what my page rate is if you just look at the Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. No, no. <laughs> um, so, Keith, how did uh, what, what what stuck out to you for this project? Was it the the setting, the story? What was it? So, uh, yeah, I mean, when I first got the script, like when you first emailed me asking me if I'd be interested. And I said, sure, but let me read the script because that's always the big uh-oh hurdle I've noticed is um, a lot of people have a lot of stories, but not a lot of people have stories that are, you know, I don't want to be mean, but you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I just wouldn't have fun digging into. And you know, his script came back and I, it was solid. I said, oh, okay. Yeah, guy, let's do that. Um, but as far as the, the setting and all that, it's, it's World War II. It's, you know, we get raised on that sort of thing with the, you know, Hitler and aliens channel growing up, all that. And the, like, I grew up in a family that, um, like my dad's side of the family, uh, they operated, a the local airport and my grandpa, owned a crop dusting outfit and then he died in 1983 when you know everybody was in their teens in that part of the family but that was like everything from that moment changed so you can imagine the kind of like rose tinted lenses the whole family constantly looking back at this time before he Mm -hmm. died when they had all the planes before they had to get sold off and before everything kind of went how it did and the kind of mythology that builds up around that. So just aviation in general has just always been special to me. And then, uh, no, I like baseball a lot. I grew up playing baseball. Um, it's the only sport that I'll actually go and see if someone invites me or hockey. That's, that's not fair. I like hockey, but I'm not a big sports person. I really like baseball movies. I think, it, I think it translates really well to visual medium because of how um, easy it is to understand what's going on. If you know the rules, you can just immediately look at the field and tell what's happening and what needs to happen. Um, so everything about it really uh, checked the boxes for me. Yeah, very cool. And Key and, uh, and Anderson, um, how did you come on board and what was... Uh, what, what appealed to you about the project? Uh, well, what was so, it was kind of funny to me was, so I, I met Keith at Dragon Con and we'd been like talking on Instagram and stuff and just kind of getting to know each other. And it, it was, it was really great. So, so we knew each other. And then I met William at another con, I forget which one, but so I, I actually met them separately. And then uh, William and I were emailing back and forth and all this stuff. And then he said, Hey, you know, I've got this project. you, uh, I've already got an artist, but if you want to, if, if you can be the colorist, that'd be great. 
here's some of the art. And I was like, this looks like Keith's work. Oh, dang, that, that's Keith. So like William had no idea that we already knew each other. And so like after after William got me on the job, Keith texted me. He was like, oh, I guess we're working together. <laughs> um, so it's kind of a, a, a random happenstance that uh, that that happened. But um, uh, honestly, some of the same things like the uh, uh, I really love Keith's line art. He, he understands light really well, which makes coloring very easy i've i've colored people's work before that don't understand light and so that that makes you know you, you've gotta you've gotta do a lot of work in colors to make those types of inks work but since he understands light so well it just makes it fun um and uh so i so i knew that it would be a fun project to be on and then i knew both the guys already and was you know pretty excited about working with them um and then uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of baseball. <laughs> so baseball is uh, a favorite, I guess, amongst this team, but I'm, I'm actually working on my own baseball comic right now. So when I, when I even saw that there was baseball in it, I was like, well, I, I need to, I need to get on this. Um, so it, it didn't take much convincing once I saw all the pieces, uh, of this. Um, I just needed to see if I could fit it in my schedule, which I did. So nice. Yeah, it was cool. Were you were- Okay, I was just going to say it was kind of a shot in the dark <laughs> talking to Anderson too. Cause Keith, um, the, the original idea was, it was just going to be me and Keith. I was going to try to do lettering for the first time and Keith was going to do both art and colors. Um, and he realized pretty quickly, I think that it just wasn't going to be doable to do it in the timetable that we had tried to s- set up. So, you know, we were both kind of looking for artists and I was like, you know, I, I've met Anderson before he does awesome stuff. I don't know if he'll be interested in this in the least, but I, I guess I'll see. And yeah, I was super excited when he messaged back. So very cool. Yeah. It takes me forever to color things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agonize over colors, so I just can't do them quickly. I think you can kind of look at my Instagram and tell. <laughs> um, uh, go ahead. Noah. Did you guys, so did you guys like, um, did you color Keith's work before this Anderson or was this like your first time doing like any interiors or anything for him? This, yeah, this is my first time coloring Keith's interiors. Um, Okay. Yeah. I was, I was kind of like, I didn't know what to expect because I've seen plenty of your coloring on your own stuff and you never know how it's going to come back. So I was pretty, uh, pretty excited when I saw what you had done. Yeah, it was it was interesting to do, and and again, since you understand light so well, like the the ways that I was making color cut, like the shadows cut across, and your 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 cartooning style lends itself to like I don't want to go overly painterly with it, and plus I don't really do very painterly in the uh, the colors that I do, so I felt like I was a good match for it um, as well. Yeah, I like because in your own stuff, uh, I'll see a lot of you pushing the colors a lot more towards like really vibrant pinks and yellows and like almost highlighter greens and stuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that still comes across that you're pushing into these interesting colors, but it, it still feels appropriate for the story and the setting, which. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of excited to play with a more toned down palette. Um, uh, My wife pretty infamously does not like when I go crazy with my colors, but I use like these crazy (laughs) vibrant colors. She's like, Anderson, I, you, you apparently do great work because you keep getting hired for colors, but I don't like these colors. These are too much. So, so when she saw that I was working on a, uh, 
on a on a uh, like a historical piece she was like oh this is gonna be good for you you're gonna have to tone it down a bit <laughs> I was like great well and you know talking about Keith's just like contrast in his art initially the idea was to do it in black and white actually and it was Keith that kind of talked me into this this would be really well served by color and mm-hmm. you know looking at Anderson's stuff 100% was the right call in fact Keith has uh talked me out of several bad ideas so super <laughs> thankful for my artists what was the other ones um what was it oh it was something about the layouts right i wanted the same layouts on each page oh yeah you should tell them about so, that oh you wanted oh, to go no, that's full okay. alan moore on this <laughs> oh. yeah, yeah was, tell us. it, it yeah, was really us. going uh perfect symmetry a little bit there he was like that's <laughs> that's a gimmick dude it's like you're right <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to prove with this. Let's just tell the story. <laughs> what was the thought behind yeah. that, though? I'm very curious. Well, I think the initial idea for the whole thing was, um, I mean, and I was just working on lettering page two. Um, the the whole idea is that on each page of the book, you know, on the left side, we're getting um, Bill's story, which is my grandfather. And on the right side, we're getting Leon's. So there's supposed to be lots of um, symmetry throughout, right? So the idea was, could we even put that in the layouts itself? But I think uh, looking back on it, Keith is 100% right that it does sacrifice some storytelling when you're locked into a, uh, a layout like that. So I think we get the point across, the symmetry across, uh, just through the story itself. Awesome. Yeah, and that's... Uh, uh... That's a good, yeah, that's a good lead into the story. Uh, Matt, you go ahead if you have any questions, sorry. Oh, no worries. Uh, so I have a couple of questions. Um, most, it's probably mostly going to start off with, with William. Um, was the fact that you were able to tell a World War II story and have a family element uh, important to you? Because I'm thinking, you know, as, as writers and creators, you know, we want to care about the characters and, you know, you could also you can, can make a really cool, you know, WW2 story. But the fact that you have this this family element was was that something that was appealing to you to, to make us, you know, identify yeah. and, you know, understand and, and care about the, the, the characters in the book? Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I'm a huge, you know, comic fan in general, but uh, obviously superheroes play an important part in the medium. So I've always loved superheroes, too. But I think. Um, like, I don't know, action in comics, um, I don't think is my strong suit at this point um, with what I've done. So I knew immediately that I didn't want to, you know, tell a story that was uh, a World War II story all about, you know, battle necessarily. I really wanted it to have this more intimate, um, yeah, relationship between two brothers, I thought uh, was a cool way to do it, especially when they're separated um, by years and distance. So, yeah, it's really cool. You know, it feels like I'm connecting to my granddad in a, uh, in a way that I've never really done before. Um, I just never knew him. I've always knew, um, you know, so just stories of him. So it's kind of interesting putting my words into his mouth and um, thinking, really thinking about what would his response be in these situations. So, And, and how much did you... Um try to stay uh historically accurate did you like research like the plane and you know regions that they were going to be in um you know a lot of times you know you can say based on a true story and then you just Mm -hmm. take like 
one aspect of that and then you just sort of run with it and mm-hmm. make it into a story but like how much did you want this to possibly be as accurate as possible and then you know make it interesting and, and stuff like that so how much research did you do yeah thankfully my dad has done a lot of this and he was a great resource um, that I went to over and over and over again. Um, I knew like the basics of the story, but I wanted to um, get more stuff just totally accurate. So I asked him about a lot. Um, Thankfully we have a lot of photo reference for like the plane and we know the area they were in. So I was able to, give all that kind of stuff to Keith um, pretty early on, really right after the script, or maybe it was in the script already, um, which was awesome. And Keith actually, to his credit, is really uh, interested, I think, in keeping that historical accuracy too. Yeah. Um, the so, so all of Bill's story, really, on the plane, um, he's a tail gunner in the plane, so all that stuff is pretty accurate. I mean, it's a story that was passed down over and over again, so however accurate it's supposed to be. Right. But um, the other side, Leon's side is uh, mostly from my own imagination. That's the inspired by part, which was um, inspired by this letter that, that we have from my grandfather. So it's a little bit of a mix of both. And and what type of plane is it? So it's a B 25 J Mitchell. Um, So it's a big bomber plane. It was called nasty Nancy. That's the kind of call sign they had for it. Um, mural on the side of a, you know, scantily clad woman riding a bomb, of course. <laughs> um, it's really funny, you know, <laughs> growing up, my my dad's passwords for like Wi-Fi and stuff back in the day used to be Nasty Nancy. <laughs> so it was super fun always. Um, yeah, having to explain that one to my friends. But <laughs> must have been nice when the neighbors were going to see which uh, Wi-Fi networks were available and uh, Nasty Nancy <laughs> yeah. is listed somewhere down there. Exactly. Exactly. So, William, you said that you had some uh, photo reference, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm wondering for, for Keith, um, why don't you tell him what type of plane it is? Um, you know, thankfully, Google Images, um, you're probably able to find a lot of stuff, but you know, maybe the the uh, the reference you gave him didn't have the plane at the at the right angle. So, Keith, were you going on the internet to say, you know, what I need like a I need like a shot looking up at the plane, or I need the plane diving? Like, how how did you handle that? So, <clears throat> anytime uh, like exterior shots needed, um, I'll look around for some pictures. Um, just for inspiration, because there's a lot of interesting dynamic ways you can frame a, you know, an airplane and, you know, don't need to remake the wheel, but uh, just whatever angle I need, I can just pull up a 3D model and uh, I just put it wherever I need to for reference. It's, there's dozens of this particular model available just sitting there for free. So that's not an issue. The, the harder thing is the interior because there's, you know, there's some pictures, but they weren't that helpful. And I ended up finding that the, the best thing for being able to actually get into the tail gunner section and see what was actually going on is YouTube videos. So I've got a handful that I just have and 
if I need to see what something was like, I'll just scrub to that, you know, it's, you know, some guy just kind of crawling around through it and he's panning the camera around and just for a second, he'll catch something that I need. So, you know, I'll pause it right there, but it, you know, I'm glad the guy at least panned over whatever it was. So those are, those are the two main things. And I'm guessing with him being a tail gunner, you wanted to convey the sense of sort of claustrophobia and sort of the, the tightness was, was that something that was uh, a challenge for you to, to, you know, to convey and instill images? Not so far. <laughs> that is, I mean, we, that's definitely what we were talking about. What I had wanted to do was get a hold of one, um, like through my family, you know, I, I thought I might be able to get into the tail section of one. Like I wanted to go crawl up in one mm-hmm. um, just so that I would know what it's like, but finding one that was outfitted with a tail gun uh, anywhere near me was not going to happen because we have a few around us, but they weren't the same model. They weren't the J. So they didn't actually have a tail gun. That seems to be the main issue that we had early on was just finding any in, any interior shots of the tail gunner spot. Um, everything else didn't seem that difficult, but yeah, but so much of the story is in this tail gun right, spot, right? And there was just not a lot of reference. But yeah, it is pretty cramped. Yeah. It's just a little dude like sitting on a bicycle seat. <laughs> <laughs> Noah, do you have a, a question for the guys? Yeah, I do. Um, so with this, like, you know, with, with all of you guys, are, are you guys having meetings? Like, cause you just, you just mentioned that you guys are discussing like, you know, the claustrophobia and things like that. Have you guys had pretty extensive meetings discussing the whole book? Cause only two pages are done, but do you guys have like a, a pretty collaborative approach to the script or um, uh, like, yeah, I'm just curious how, what everybody's input is um, on the final comic. Well, this is the first time we've heard each other's voices, which is pretty. Oh, wow. (laughs) So all of our comics, as far as, as far as he's talking about William. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't heard Keith's voice before. We've Uh both hung out with Anderson. Yes. I've heard everyone's voice. (laughs) Anderson knows everyone. We've Uh, never needed to speak to each other. Yeah, is we've yeah. we had a uh, incredibly long email chain for a long time, and we recently just started moving to text. But yeah, I mean we're um, mm-hmm. you know the the script's been done for a while, but that's very liable to change. I've already been changing dialogue just for for uh, if it sounds better or whatever. And like I said, I am uh, at this point just totally trusting my artists here i think they have a um a, a, you know they have a great sense of what makes a good page um that i might not might not know yet so it's a uh, it's collaborative for sure just not talking cool. just not talking <laughs> not a talking collab is that weird I have a question for, for William. I think you alluded to this. Um, when you're doing the lettering, um, are you using that as a chance to um, sort of edit um, what you have in the speech bubbles? Because, you know, you live with this as a, you know, sort of a document in your mind. And, uh, 
you know, then once you see it presented as, you know, images on the on the page, you're able to say, you know what, what I wrote out in dialogue, maybe I don't need to have all of this. Are, are you using that as a chance to, to review what you have there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just started lettering, well, really lettering um, the past week, I guess. And uh, wow, there's so much to lettering that that I had not understood beforehand. <laughs> uh, Nate Piekos at Blambot has been super helpful. His uh, essential, essential Guide to Comic Book Lettering, his book came out last year, I think. And that, I mean, it's been awesome. It's been amazing using that. But yeah, I've been um, playing around with the dialogue a bit. Um, I think I'm like really trying... <laughs> It's weird because I want it to sound like somewhat period accurate. You know, they don't use the same um, vocabulary that we necessarily use. But I also don't want it to sound. Yeah, I also don't want it to sound corny, right? So (laughs) it's a kind of difficult balancing those two things. So I'm still playing around with the dialogue for sure. And and Uh, William, what uh, what program are you using to the letter? So I'm using. Uh, Vectornator, which is a Mac and iPad app. I have an iPad Pro, so I've been doing everything on there. It's missing a couple components that would make lettering a lot easier, um, but it's free, so uh, you can't beat that. Vectornator. We've never heard anyone use that app before. That's cool. It's yeah. It's supposed to be like the closest, um, the closest thing to which Adobe product is it? Uh, Illustrator. Illustrator, yeah. So it's it's yeah. basically set up the same way, just a little bit different for iPad users. It's good. Yeah, the letters cool. turn out good. Thanks. So, Keith, so, what are you drawing on? Oh, Clip Studio. Clip Studio. And Anderson, are you using Clip Studio as well, or do you use Photoshop for your colors? I'm doing Photoshop. Very nice. You just can't get do on you... the same page. Yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> So, so go ahead i just i have a question for 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 william because we've never heard about this lettering program um <laughs> so are you like able to use like an apple pencil and like draw the shape of the the balloon and have it sort of snap to to an oval and then you're typing in the text like uh, how does that work yeah essentially um so nate piekos in his book kind of talks about creating a lettering template. So I spent a good while just creating my template, making sure the measurements were right. And then uh, creating a bunch of different balloons and tails and caption boxes and stuff like that um, before actually putting it to work. So yeah, it's using the Apple Pencil. It's um, really nice. I actually, I'd be interested in trying on a Mac or PC, um, but it's, I don't know, it feels good being able to do it kind of with the Apple Pencil and uh, move everything around as you need to. And it's, you know, it's also helps that the iPad and the iPad Pro are basically the size of a comic book, a little bit uh, smaller, but you can, it's a lot easier to tell, you know, how the letters will actually look on the page, in my opinion. Very cool. Yeah, that's, so, yeah, that's pretty awesome. We'll have to check that out. Yeah, I'm like looking it up right now for on my iPad Pro. The uh, um, the biggest problem I've had is for whatever reason they don't allow for negative leading or line height, which is a huge issue when you have uh, lowercase dialogue. 
because oh. the the lowercase g or whatever you know it lowers down um so the line height is a little bit of an issue but i've been working around it because again it's free and i don't have to pay for illustrator <laughs> nice all the cheap stuff good for <laughs> indie comics exactly yeah yeah so um with the with the kickstarter and everything uh keith and anderson are you guys doing any like uh rewards like with art wise or are you guys just mostly sticking with the book and uh i noticed that william you're also like adding you have your book also as a as a reward option your other book as a reward option Mm -hmm. um but yeah i'm just curious yeah are keith and anderson you guys doing any additional artwork yeah uh we i had william add a tier um right after it started i think it's the highest tier where i'll it's put yourself in the comic the tier so whoever buys that you just will have to do some communication and get some reference but we'll try to find a good spot to actually include your face in the comic probably in the baseball game very cool yeah, and I, I don't have any um, <clears throat> additional rewards that I'm um, able to do just with my uh, schedule right now. That makes sense. Yeah. And uh, what are the like? So, and also, yeah, um, that William, your your other book is going is one of the add-ons, correct? It is. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah. So, you want me to explain it a little bit? Please do. Yeah, that's exactly great. what I was hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's, like I said, that was something that I put out last year um, just to basically prove to myself that I could make and finish something. Um, you know, there's that that idea that a lot of people like to write, but no one really ever finishes and puts it out into the world. So that's kind of what Tales from the Gutter was. Um, I just did four short stories, um, like four to six pages each or something like that just found different artists um, on Reddit and Facebook, Facebook groups I was in. And yeah, just, just kind of had fun playing in different genres and seeing what I could do. And it gave me something that I could um, one hand out at cons and just kind of get people's criticism and feedback from, which Anderson was someone that was super helpful with that. He gave me a lot of notes that, that helped, including the lettering, which is why I'm focusing so much on that now. Um, and yeah, the whole idea was just like picking four different artists to tell four different stories in four different genres. So, um, it was kind of all over the place, but it was fun for me to, to do. And, uh, it gave me something else to include in our rewards package. So that's that comic. And then there was a one page poster, I guess I, uh, I created called nightmares of the innocent with someone else I, I met on Reddit, um, that's kind of poking fun at Dr. Frederick Wortham and how he's the boogeyman of comics. So that's on there too. Yeah. Get him. <laughs> get that old man. The seduction of the innocent guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So did you guys have any experience uh, with, with crowdfunding um, before this was the uh, William was the other book taken to Kickstarter or any other crowdfunding platforms? No, so that was kind of part of it too, was that I, I wanted to prove that I was serious about it by funding it all myself. So that was all self-funded, but I knew for this one um, that I would need a little bit of help. 
So this is my first experience with it. I don't know about Keith or Anderson. It's yeah. I've never been involved in one. Uh, I ran a Kickstarter for uh, my book fear hunters in 2020. Um, And uh, that was, that was good. There's a success is very running a Kickstarter, like any sort of crowdfunding campaign. I, I, I know William is feeling that, <gasps> that, that, that bit of stress because there's something about it where it's just tickling at the back of your mind all the time. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad that he's running this one. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's tricky to do, but it is, um, I'm glad you guys, the internet is so cool that now we can just, you know, we can print our own books. Like this is, this is really awesome for comics these days that we can just jump right in i mean you still have to put it's still a lot of work but it's much more accessible than it used to be and it's super cool that we have this yeah so that might be a good that might be a good lead-in for the the sort of the kickstarter question we have for people um and i guess maybe this one will be mostly for william um what kind of crowdfunding runner are you are you refreshing the page every 30 seconds or are you able to sort of mellow out go do something else and and check the the backer count and the you know the the funding numbers uh, how do you handle that yeah the uh the first couple of days were super exciting so i was checking all the time on those couple of days um because you know i'd built up at least some support just from friends and family that i had talked to about it so um i think we hit like 50 percent in 24 hours or something like that so it was really neat seeing all the numbers come in every few minutes um but i've definitely chilled out now i think i would get uh not worried i would just get annoyed if i saw the same number over and over again because i know that we're kind of in the you know the plateau in the middle which is totally fine i have no doubt that we'll hit our goal but uh yeah it wouldn't be fun just checking every few seconds (laughs) Keith, are you are you pretty chill about this too, or are you uh, pretty invested? Uh, no, nah, I'm I've, I'm pretty chill about it. Uh, I'm I don't look at it some days. Like nice. my partner, she'll tell me where it's at, just because. Uh, I think it's kind of part of the habit you got to get into to be able to get work done, and you know you don't want to be constantly picking up your phone, checking Instagram and email and all that. So just getting in the habit of just leaving your phone over there and focusing. So yeah, definitely. I'm definitely not a refresher. Anderson, uh, your, your thoughts. I mean, I I'd like to say I didn't check it all the first day, but I, I totally <laughs> did. I was, I was pretty avidly <laughs> checking in on it. Um, but I, I've, I've kind of simmered off um, uh, <laughs> for the most part. But I'm not, so I'm not worried about hear. it at all, of course. It's, I mean, it's, it's a good project, so I'm, I'm very confident, of course. Yeah. yeah, it's so great to hear how all of you guys are invested in this. This seems like a, you know, doesn't seem like another paycheck for you guys. I mean, it can be both, obviously, but it does sound like you guys are all really invested in it. It's sort of it's cool to hear all the care you guys are putting into, obviously, the Kickstarter, but also the book. And I'm yeah. just happy that I found out that somebody 
else as, as a maniac and uh, is refreshing the page uh, every yeah, we got Two out of three. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, Pretty good I, Matt. I, when, when we get the people on, they're like, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm chill. I just let it go. And I'm like, why Why am I sitting here refreshing my page every every 30 seconds? Why can't I chill out like that person? So yeah, it always makes me feel sociopath. good to find out that we're, that we're, <laughs> we're, we're maniacs. So yeah, there's, you know, it's medication, right? You just, yeah. just got to find the right one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> find what works for you Matt yeah well yeah. it's it's weird I've also found that like it's uh what what is the uh the analogy like uh, a watched uh pot doesn't pot boil or boils. something like that yeah, yeah. so like it's it's, it's crazy I think like, it's a boiling there... frog never chirps <laughs> <laughs> if I sit I there and I refresh the page never uh, skips <laughs> sitting there and refreshing the page like nothing happens but then you you go you go do something else and you, you come back and it's like oh i got three backers uh you know so it's it's weird like that just so people know you can watch for it boil it doesn't take that long it doesn't really yeah, yeah. yeah. try it it's you know you just give it a, give it a go i don't did we get it across i feel like we've talked about the book and it kind of sounds like there's no action in it Oh, that's probably my fault. There is action. There's fire. Yeah. And planes there's, there's, being destroyed. There's ex, there's explosions. There's yes. bang bangs. There's maybe fire. actually, you know what? Maybe I should actually talk about what my grandfather's story is. We haven't really gotten into yeah. that. Is that okay? Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. Might yeah. Be. So yeah. I'm with that one. Yeah, really. I, I dropped <laughs> the ball there. We so, get so into the creator talk, we kind of forget about the book sometimes. <laughs> so we're like, oh, what are we talking about? Yeah, right. Please. No, yeah, I just realized I totally didn't talk about that. So, so the story that my grandfather apparently uh, passed down, or or my uh, father and his siblings heard over the years, was the story. I guess it was known or affectionately known as the shootout over Saigon. And so he was in the tail gunner spot, obviously. But they were told that they were they were. Um, let's see, it was one of his final missions, I think. Once you hit 50, it's kind of like, okay, you've been on enough. You're supposed to go home now. Um, and I think this was his 53rd, if I'm not mistaken. So it was like one of his final ones. Um, and they sent them on this incredibly dangerous mission for, for it to be one of their final outings. Um, they were essentially playing bait um, for some Japanese fighter planes over Saigon and uh, up above the cloud line were some P-38s that they were going to call down whenever they got their attention. So, um, you know, the first few pages of the comic is basically them just in that situation of waiting until they're noticed and kind of the anxiety of that feeling, trying to make jokes about, uh, about you know, what's coming up, even though they're all very anxious about it. Um, but eventually they do get noticed and... Um, all the, you know, the fighter planes come after them and my grandfather in the back, you know, he has those twin 50 cals, um, that you're supposed to kind of pulse on the trigger. You know, you don't hold them down because they're liable to get overheated and jammed. Um, but you know, I think my granddad always said like, whoever came up with that idea obviously has never been in a tail gunner position because you want to be holding those things down when there's a fighter plane right behind you. So uh, his, his guns did get jammed and, uh, you know, his fight or flight basically kicked in. And that's a big part of this comic is 
you know, what are you going to do when things get tough? Are you going to run away? Are you going to accept um, defeat or are you going to actually try to fight back? And, and my granddad, not knowing what else to do, opens the latch to uh, the tail gunner window and just pulls out his sidearm in 1911 and just starts firing away at this plane behind him. Um, obviously not doing anything, but it gave him some sort of relief knowing that, you know, he wasn't just sitting back doing nothing. And, you know, obviously he makes it back. Uh, the, the plan worked. The P-38s took out the fighter planes, but that story of him with his gun out, you know, the top of his tail gunner latch is kind of the prevailing image, I guess, of the story. So. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. That's I'm glad that we were able to circle story. back and talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Keith. There's there's fire yeah. and exploding planes. Yeah, a lot of boom booms and bang bangs. It sounds like I'm really excited <laughs> to quote like Keith, boom. whatever he said. Yeah, um, but yeah, <laughs> but that's that's and great. Awesome that's, opportunities yeah. for Anderson's colors to shine through in those explosions. Yes, about yeah. to say Anderson. Yeah. Are you excited? You stoked? I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if there's a place I can put some pink fire. We'll see if it happens. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? Um, we already so, got pink countryside, right? Yeah, yeah. Bright, oh, yeah, yeah. I already got that sunrise with that that <laughs> almost pink and orange going on. Yes, <laughs> I love that. Pinkton, you know. Yeah, it looks great. Um, it does. I was gonna say, yeah. I was gonna ask. Um, pink is. I feel is very underutilized. I mean, especially like indie comics. It seems like a lot of people like to go for more realistic, so you get a lot of like neutral colors and things like that. I was really appreciating Anderson how you do use some more vibrant colors like pink um is that just a personal thing for you or do you have a philosophy behind you know using like more vibrant colors in your in your work uh well so um i mean some of it comes from some of my like colorist inspirations so like the the colorists that i really like are uh rico renzi uh Mm -hmm. of course spider gwen um and then like uh matt wilson um all of his stuff on paper girls um, and, uh, pretty much, uh, anytime he's paired up with, uh, Chris Samney is really beautiful, like firepower. Um, and then, uh, Chris Brunner, um, uh, they all use a lot of, a lot of magenta in it. And I, and I think the reason, I don't know if this is why my colors get a specific kind of vibrancy, but when I, when I'm mixing the colors, I'll have the color palette window open on Photoshop and I'll actually like instead of like just color picking on the cube, I'll actually like slide the CMYK sliders around, like just kind of be like, I'm going to pull in a little bit more of this one. And I do my darndest to just not use K. So just no black. I just really try not to use it. I, I, I will eventually so I can get all my values in, but for the most part, I'm just, I'm just building colors. Um, and so, so my, my colors, since they rarely have black in it, they're, they're going to be, I mean, they're, they're being built with only colors and, and not really any um, darkness to them. So I think that that might be one of the reasons they kind of get that, but yeah, magenta is just so powerful. It's, it's, it's great. Um, uh, Chris Brunner has this, uh, I don't know if it was ever actually put to print. Um, I went to school with him at uh, SCAD but he uh 
he had this Batman cover that he used pink on it. And he got like this big note back from uh, uh, his editor or something. It's like, there can't be pink with Batman. Uh, what are you doing? Um, and I think eventually <laughs> he was able to argue it through. I, f- I forget if that one got uh, published, but it was, it was, it was just kind of funny of like, no, nah, pink is pink is a color too. Uh, and when it's used right, it's, it can be really powerful. So. Agreed. Yeah. Awesome guys. Well, we're pushing about an hour here. So I, I think we're going to close things up. Um, let's do this. Um, William, can you tell us um, when the, the closing date uh, for, for this uh, Kickstarter is? Sure. Yeah. So the Kickstarter ends on March 8th. So we got a couple more weeks to uh, try to hit our goal or go above and beyond even. Awesome. Um, very cool. And uh, we're going to link the, the Kickstarter in, in the show notes. We're going to make it as easy as possible for people to listen to, you know, call up their pod player, scroll down and hit the, uh, hit the uh, Kickstarter link. Um, William, is there a p- best place to follow you online? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to put all my comic stuff in a separate Instagram. So we're going for uh, at tales from the gutter with periods in between on Instagram. And my Twitter is at JW underscore outlaw. Very cool. I'll link both of those as well in the show notes. Awesome. Uh, uh, Keith, uh, where's the, the best place to follow you online? Pretty much just Instagram at Keith Browning art. I have a Twitter. I don't, I'm really bad at keeping up with it. It's Keith B Browning. Like when Bat-tober came around, I said, all right, I'll do the Bat-tober," And I put like four up and forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> I think it's pretty stagnant since then. Yeah. And uh, Anderson, how about you? Um, you can, uh, I'm on Instagram as well. That's where I put just kind of fluff and drawings. Um, it's just my name, Anderson Carmen. The last name is C-A-R-M-A-N. Uh, and uh, I also, if you just go to my website, which is just my name as well, Anderson Carmen, I've... Uh, I have a sub stack and that's where I, it's just a monthly thing that I put out. And that's like more meatier stuff like uh, the projects I'm working on when my next book comes out, stuff like that. So I kind of, uh, you know, if you want to, if you want a deeper dive on what I'm up to that monthly newsletter is the way to go. Very cool. We'll link, we'll link both cool, of those. Yeah. And definitely if anybody's listening to a uh, podcast called constructing comics they're interested in that 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 meteor uh information that you might be giving them then in the sub stack awesome yeah well guys i'm really excited about this book um i'm glad that we were able to to hook up and, and talk about it uh, i'd just like to encourage everybody to, to check it out um once again Links to the Kickstarter are going to be in the show notes. Links to the the guy's social media will will be in the show notes as well. Um, if you want to follow our podcast, we're on Twitter, and that is at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod, and Facebook is Constructing Comics. Just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, please be nice to each other, be safe, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.